You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2021 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord Jesus, for this precious couple, their devotion to you, the sunshine that they bring into our hearts and into this room every day, their expertise. And I pray, Lord, that the blessing that they want for us will be fulfilled, that we will be your hands to relieve suffering in this world that is soon to end. We thank you and we pray that you would give them safe travel and, and a blessed future in your work. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Vicki. Our quote this morning, we're going to read two, the last two. In every place where we have a church, there should be some place specially fitted up where treatments can be given, a bathhouse with appropriate rooms. I think that's what they called it then. We probably wouldn't call it a bathhouse. This is as the Lord designs it should be, and thus help to prevent disease, as well as treat disease. I added that. And then the next one I thought was very interesting. It says... The horse called Parson was very sick. We feared he would die. We doctored him as well as we could, putting hot flannel blankets around him. He was relieved after several applications. We learned that hydrotherapy is for animals as well as for human beings. And many people have used uh, hydrotherapy or charcoal, both, for animals. They respond the same way. So... Now you know, you can help your animals as well. Okay, let's, um, oh, we already had prayer, right? Okay. This morning, um, I just want to remind you of a couple things. If you want the mitts, you have to go online and pay for them, and then you can come to me and I will give them to you. I can't take any money, um, so... Just go online and do that. It's at Hydrotherapy Hub. There are information, little cards back there. Here is a course that Hydrotherapy Hub is offering online starting in August to September. The dates and everything are on here. If you're interested, the, uh, there's flyers back on the table. And, you know, I mentioned yesterday that we did not bring enough supplies. We had no idea the the uh, eagerness to purchase supplies. And so we have run out of just about everything except the thermophores and I think a couple things of charcoal. And our DVDs, we have plenty more of DVDs. Um, actually, I have them here, but I just don't have the cases. So um, if you would like a DVD, you can go online and order them. They're a little bit more because of the shipping, about $5 more. Um, but just go to AriseAndShineHealth.com, uh, right? AriseAndShineHealth.com, and you can order the DVDs there. And they have 10 treatments, and um, the handouts are there with a, with a CD as well. So, Okay, this morning we are going to um, do the hot tub bath, and then we're going to talk about charcoal, and then I'll demonstrate a poultice. And then, if we have time, we're going to try to get in and show you how to wrap 
a person for a wet sheet pack. Because it can be kind of, uh, you know, you may not know how. It's not difficult, it's just that once you see it, it's easier. Okay, so we're going to start with hot tub bath. Actually, the hot tub bath is one that we probably use the most. When we uh, feel like we're getting a tickle in our throat, even in the middle of the night, we will get up and do a hot tub bath. So if we hear the tub running in the middle of the night, we know what's going on. And we just give it to ourselves. But it's good if you can give this to someone, too. So a hot tub bath given with water temperatures in the range of hot, which is 100 to 104, to very hot, above 104, covering as much of the body as possible. You can use a hot tub for this. Um, use often there 104, 106, something like that. And, but I'll give you a little hint. As clean as we think our bathtubs are, when you take a tub bath, every little bit of scum or a hair here or there or anything else comes up and floats on top. So you will want to wash your tub out before every single treatment. It's a lot more pleasant. And so when to use to increase perspiration. You know, um, the other day when we did Russian steam bath, that's a great way to sweat out toxins, like if a person is, is wanting to get off of nicotine or something. Um, that's a, a good way to do it. There are a number of ways. The, um, and this is one, too. It will, you really sweat. Even though it goes into the water, um, you do really, really sweat for this one. So to increase perspiration for any reason, to elevate body temperature. This is not really a fever treatment, but it can take your, your treatment, your temperature up a little bit. But it's not as intense as a real fever treatment, which is what they give for a lot of, of um, oh, they give it for cancer and for Lyme's disease and a lot of, of chronic diseases like that. Um, but it does elevate your body temperature, and it's a very effective way to stimulate the immune system. One of the most vigorous treatments that um, we do, besides the fever treatment, which you have to have someone give that to you, and it can be really miserable. <laughs> to increase immune response, of course. Have you noticed? Most of these increase the immune response, because increasing the circulation increases the immune response. Increase blood circulation. Decrease organ congestion. The blood goes from the internal organs to the skin out to um, try to help cool it down. To decrease stiffness, pain, and fatigue. Have you ever um, walked 20 miles and thought you needed a little bit of hot tub bath? <laughs> okay, so it's very simple, the things you need. Um, but another thing you need to do, this treatment kind of like a fever treatment, you want to go to the bed before the treatment starts and put a plastic sheet, whether that's an opened um, garbage bag or a shower curtain or something, and put it in the bed and have that ready, okay? And then uh, in the bathroom, you want to have a sheet because you're going to wrap up in that sheet afterwards and go to the bed, okay? And, of course, a towel and a washcloth 
Um, if a person has been actually sick, you might want to take their temperature first, make sure it's not already 103, because <laughs> this probably wouldn't be the best treatment if it's 103. Okay, and then some water to cool your head down. Again, you will tolerate it much better if you um, have your head cool. Okay, I'm going to go through um, how to do this, but I'm going to go to the cautions here at the end. Not recommended for patients with impaired circulation because they may not, this really increases their circulation, and so if their circulation is impaired, they, they may not have that ability to respond, or impaired nerve sensation. Um, basically, you could do a mild treatment, you know, just a nice warm tub bath. Um, high blood pressure, because you're, you're having everything, all your blood vessels wide open. Heart disease, again, you would do a milder treatment for these things. Um, check out the oral temperature beforehand, during and after. Keep it below 102. Now, for a fever treatment, you actually want it to go to 102 and keep it at 102 for 20 minutes because that's uh, what will help it for more aggressive things. That's what you need. So assure patient hydration before, during, and after. So, um, you know, make sure they have water available. Uh, we usually just take a quart jar and set it on the side of the tub and drink as we want throughout. You don't want necessarily cold water either. You want lukewarm. Um, check the pulse. Actually, when we do this ourselves, because we know we're healthy, we don't really check our pulse. But, you know, if you're doing this on someone, that's a good thing to do. Keep it under 100 beats a minute. Communicate with often. Never leave the patient alone. Because it is a very vigorous treatment. And, you know, especially if you don't know how someone's going to respond to heat. Um, you know, they could pass out or something, and you want to be there when that happens. And if that happened, what would you do? I've never had it happen, actually, in the hot tub. I mean, in the... <laughs> Panic? No. Yes, you pull the plug, you turn on the cold water, and you keep their head above water. Okay? And they, as they cool down, they will come too. And um, usually... When, when I was in places and they'd call for the nurse because somebody went down in hydrotherapy, it was usually fever treatments, and it was when they got out. And they would be out flat on the nice, cold, tile floor. And by the time I got there, they were waking up. <laughs> but that's why you just want to be careful, you know. And especially if you're doing it by yourself the first time, you want to be careful. Because this really has every blood vessel open, so when you stand up... You know, you don't have as much in your, in your head. If the patient is dizzy, faint, or nauseated, stop the treatment and cool the patient. Okay? They've just gotten a little too overheated. It's not a big deal. You just want to... And the post-treatment rest in the bed is extremely important. In fact, that is part... This, of all treatments, this is part of the treatment. It's not a post-treatment, really. It is part of the treatment. Okay? And we'll talk about that a little more as we go along. Okay. So, um, what we're going to do first, what I like to do, I'm going to tell you practically what I like to do. Because most of us don't have enormous water heaters, and we can't fill the tub and get it hot enough 
and without running out of hot water. I've never done that so far. So what I do is I wash my tub out and take care of my bed. Then I come in. And of course, you need all your clothes off. Well, you could use a swimsuit, but it's when you're giving it to yourself, it's no big deal. So um, get, I get in. I try to get it, the water as hot as I can to start with, and it's stingy. But I just put it in a little bit, and then I get in, and I keep getting, putting it up, splashing it up on myself, because that gets my body used to it. Your body is always going to have to adjust to the hotter water. If you fill it up and then try to heat it up, you're going to be out of hot water most of the time, I would say. So um, start it out getting as hot as you can. And if you get in when it's not very much, and, and then you can get it hotter. Because the more hot water you have in there, the better off it's going to be. You're going to be able to cover more of your body. And um, so then you, after it gets to the first, you know, to whereas you've run out of hot water or whatever, you've filled it, filled it up, then you just sit there for 15, 30 minutes. And if you're like me, I can't just sit in hot water. So I get a tape recorder and or a radio or something and put it over there to where you can't touch it because you don't want to touch it. What happens if you touch it while you're in the water? You might, the treatment and everything might be finished. You could be electrocuted. So remember not to touch it. And I always put it out of my reach so I can't forget and touch it. Um, so I listen there, and that helps me to get through the time. You have a wash, a, a, a face bucket there with ice water in it, and a cloth, washcloth. And when I start sweating, I, you know, bathe my face. I just keep putting that on, and you know, it's interesting. But when you're, if your knees or something are sticking out, they actually get cold because they're wet and, you know, then out in the air. So you have to kind of keep moving around and put your legs underwater and that kind of thing. Now, if you get really um, claustrophobic type um, when you're, you know, getting really hot from the hot, just lift your arm up one at a time or both of them, and that will relieve that because it somehow gives you just enough I don't know what it does, but it gives you enough coolness to continue on. But I usually have to do that some, lift my arms out. But otherwise, you try to keep everything under. Okay, so you stay there for 15 to 30 minutes. And then there's a couple ways you can finish it. You don't want to cool down completely. But you do need to cool down enough to where your your the blood vessels in your brain are going to be wide open and you're going to pass out, okay? So what I do is I just um, pull the plug and I turn on the cold water and I just start circulating and that kind of gets, um, you know, it cools it down gradually and, um, or maybe not even pull the plug until after you've cooled it down a little bit. And then if you want to, you can stand up and shower off, but be careful when you stand up. That's the time when you might get lightheaded or dizzy or something. So, um, you know, just you can take a cool down shower, but you, the object of that is not really to cool you down because part of the treatment is to get in bed and sweat. And I mean sweat. 
And if you cool down completely, you won't do that as much. So we usually just uh, cool down the water a little bit. I dry off, and then I wrap a sheet around me. And the sheet is for more than just using as a bathrobe, because you wear that sheet to bed, and then it'll keep your sheets from getting quite as wet, because you're just going to sweat. That'll be sopping wet by the end. So um, wear the sheet just to bed, and you're probably going to be sweating. So you, when you lay in bed, you're going to need a um, towel or something over your head because it's sweating and it'll be very cold if you, you know, out in the air. So you want to put something over your head too in bed. And usually I put a towel on the pillow when I, when I, so that I keep the pillow dry and all that. So then you just lay there and sweat and hopefully you'll sleep and, you know, that'll be that. Then after an hour or if you, if you don't go to sleep, that's fine. But after you've been there for an hour or so and you kind of stop sweating, get up and take a, um, cleansing shower to get all the sweat off. So, and that kind of finishes the treatment. But it's, it's very intense. It's very effective. And, um, you know, it doesn't, the, the worst thing about it is you have to clean out the tub when you're not feeling good or tired in the middle of the night or whenever it is, you know, but that's not bad. So, any questions? Well, it sure speeds it up. Anything that's going to increase your perspiration is going to help speed that up to get it out of the system. Um, we had, I'll tell one story and then it's your turn. We had, um, I was at a lifestyle center and we had these, these um, telephone guys that were putting in a whole new telephone system. So they were like for six weeks there and we knew them and, you know, but they smoked. Well, we told them they couldn't smoke um, in the building, maybe on campus, I'm not sure. But anyway, at least I know they couldn't smoke in the building. And we talked to them about, you know, we could help you stop smoking and everything. And, you know, they just joked. Well, the last day of the program, I was, I came down with a cold. You know, I'd been going full steam ahead for three weeks or whatever. And so I, I just felt like, you know, have you ever felt like your head was about this big and you just feel really lousy? So I was laying in the lobby after all the patients had gone home, waiting for someone was going to give me a, it was actually a Russian steam bath where you sweat as well. And so I was laying there, and they, they uh, came by and saw me, and, oh, boy, what's wrong? You know, and so we talked a little bit, and then they, um, they saw me an hour or so later, and I was feeling much, much better and, and you know, had bright eyes again. And so uh, they said, wow. That was amazing. What, what did they do to you? And so I told them, I said, that's what we would do to you to help uh, stop your, you know, help with your smoking. So they says, okay, we'll do that. So we had uh, two steam cabinets at that time, and one from the men's and one from the women's hydrotherapy. So we got them together, and, and they did uh, uh, Russian steam baths on them. And they were so amazed when they got out of the thing and went to the shower. On the sheet was all this yellow nicotine. And they were so impressed. 
Um, one of them went out and bought a steam cabinet and stopped smoking. The other one lit up a cigarette as he drove out. And I don't know what happened. <laughs> anyway, they both had the same opportunity. <laughs> so um, I think we're going to... What? Yes, I did. Okay, we're going to talk about charcoal now. We're going to have a little lecture, and then I'll show you how to do a poultice. Okay? It'll just take a minute to get all the paraphernalia switched. Okay, charcoal. Ever use charcoal? Yes. Oh, boy. You ever see any results with charcoal? Yes. I've rarely seen results with charcoal. I don't know about you. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, sorry, it's worn out, but it is the original snake oil. It's so amazing. I mean, we hear stories like, why would that work? But it works. It's so far out, the, out of the bounds of why it would work. And mm. Okay, so, charcoal. Nature's black wonder. Thing of the past. So, Indians use charcoal. Official remedy is by uh, until the 1950s. What happened in the 1950s? Yes, there you go. Yes, Antibiotics. Mm -hmm. uh, then Europe. Well, they Europe is way ahead of us in everything. So, okay. What is charcoal? Carbon remains after burning wood or other organic substances. So, what are good sources? Now, I know that pine is not a hardwood, but hardwoods are generally uh, the best source. They seem to burn down more pure to pure carbon, or as close as you can get to it. So your hardwoods. And in fact, sometimes whenever you buy a container of charcoal, it'll say right on there, um, a source from hard, is hardwood. So... But coconut shell, bone, they don't want to use bone, but another source, charcoal. Comes in powder form, capsule form, which is just the powder in a capsule, tablets, patches, and salves. Uh, the um, powder, of course, is great for taking internally and poultice, like Rhonda is going to be showing you in just a minute. Uh, the uh, capsules, of course, for digestive uh, challenges. Tablets, uh, what people will do sometime if they have like a tablet that they take like on a walk or a hike or something and they get bit by a bug or maybe get stung or something, they'll put the tablet on, they'll wet it, they'll put it on there and then put a band-aid over the top and uh, that is pretty, I mean that's a fast first aid for a bite or a sting so that's good. Another is if you have that little, uh, like Rhonda was mentioning a minute ago, about the tickle in your throat, that little funny feeling in your throat, to put a, a tablet uh, in your mouth, just between your cheek and your gum, and begin to suck on it. So it begins to run down your throat. And we'll talk about why that works in just a second. Plain charcoal is enhanced by no special preparation to increase its, its effectiveness. And the, the charcoal that you would buy, unless you were making your own charcoal, when many people do, 
Um, it is organic material, wood, coconut, shell, or bone. It's produced by controlled burning that develops a large network of fine crevices. And that is the secret to how charcoal works. So, what we have is we have, everybody knows what absorb means. Do you know what adsorb means? Adsorb, absorb is into, like a sponge. Matter of fact, let's do a simple. So there's a little drip of water there. And this is going to be the example of absorption. Absorption is into, into. So the sponge is going to suck that into. Now what about adsorb? Adsorb is onto. So now on the same counter we have breadcrumbs. And the breadcrumbs are the breadcrumbs going to be absorbed into the sponge? No. It's going to be it's going to stick to the outside. It never goes in into the uh, sponge itself. So makes sense, doesn't it? Absorb, adsorb. So it's adding to the outside surface area. Then how do things stick? The way they stick is, is that whenever you are burning that substance, during the burning process, charcoal develops an electrostatic property. In other words, it becomes a little mini magnet. So it attracts things to itself. That makes it a favorable substance for attracting poisons, gases, and bacteria. Pretty good combo, huh? Okay. Now, we're going to, this is going to give a little bit of an idea of a particle of charcoal. Uh, if, it makes sense that if you want a substance to attract the bad stuff that doesn't belong in the body, you would want that substance or every particle of that substance to have a pretty good surface area so that it could attract lots of stuff. You see what I'm saying? So the more surface area, the more it'll attract, more stuff you'll get out of you. You know, more poison, gases, or bacteria. So, uh, activated charcoal, how big can it be? How big can it be? How much surface area can one cubic centimeter, a cube, not too big, huh? How much surface area can one cubic centimeter of activated charcoal cover? So if you were to take that particle or that cube and just be able to flatten it, which you can't, but if you flatten it out, that surface area, you flatten it out, how much surface, square feet basically, would it be 10 square, in this case is meters, 10 square meters, would it be 100 square meters, or completely not possible, would it be 1,000 square meters? 10, 100, or 1,000. So you're taking that cube and you are flattening that surface area out. How much, how many square meters? Any guesses? Just the surface area. 100? Okay, good guess. Real good guess. 
It's coming. Can you imagine that? It's amazing. That's a miracle. Yes. That is 1,000 square meters is what it ends up. Yeah, pretty neat, huh? Thank you. Keep on track. Uh, charcoal can be used for inside, digestive problems, poisoning cases, diarrhea, sore throat, bad breath, and the list can go on and on and on and on. Um, one, since we're in the, uh, since we're talking about diarrhea, were we? <laughs> that is one of the side, there's two real side effects of charcoal. One is it will constipate you if you don't drink a lot of water with it. So if you, if you want to be constip, or <laughs> have we talked enough about this? Yes. Anyway, just know. The other side effect is it whenever you're looking at the powder form, it is really messy. It's like, and it will not come out. So when you're working with it, you just figure, I'm going to bump something or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be not careful enough. So you make sure that you have like a paper towel down or whatever so that you guard everything around your, your surface because it's, it's really messy. There you go. That's right. Yeah, cups, spoons, plastic. Yes. Yes. Good point. Disposable stuff. Yeah, much easier. Uh, outside is uh, insect bites, bee stings, wasp stings, infected wounds, inflammation, pain, and the list once again goes on and on. Now, do I have time for just one, my story? I can only, yes. One time that the ER, the patient was given charcoal because they were taking Yes, yes. And I was in the department right up there, mm -hmm. and the patients one time gone through and said that they had, I don't know how much they had, excess they had poured down, down the copper. Oh, yeah. It went like cement in there. He had this big metal thing that he was having to change. Oh, yeah, wow. Yes, it really, really absorbs moisture, yeah. So you got to be, good point. So you got to be really, really hydrated, yes. We're, well, I have a little slide about that, so hang in there. Yeah, I was wondering about Oh, yes, yes. Okay. We'll talk about that. Let me tell a real quick story because, you know, we're on the time clock. Uh, Rhonda and I were moving. We had the U-Haul. On the U-Haul, I had a radial arm saw. Now, a radial arm saw is a little different than a table saw because a table saw just has the motor on the table and you put the wood through and stuff. The radial arm saw, though, it has this the little arm that comes up and the motor and the blade is on that slide like this. Well, whenever I loaded the radial arm saw, and by the way, it was not a small one, it was a pretty good size one. I had, there's a lock on it, so I locked it so it wouldn't slide, so that big motor would not slide back and forth 
during transport. Lock was on. During, I didn't know this, but during the transport, that lock came off. It, it kind of jiggled off. So whenever I was offloading that radial arm saw off of the U-Haul, you know, of course, everything's from the truck of this high down to the ground this high. Uh, and unfortunately, I didn't, hadn't turned the radial arm, so it, the motor was not going to go anywhere. It would just come off of the truck. It was turned around so that the motor could slide down the slide, down the slide you know, there, it's about this long. So when I was taking it off, that motor slid down. Well, I, what I didn't know is, I think it was this finger here, I had my finger up in a location that that blade or that uh, motor came down and there was a little tiny nubbin that stops the motor from coming right off of uh, this, you know, the arm. My finger was on that nubbin. And so the, that motor came down, it hit my finger. It, you know, a picture a grape, just squishing a grape under your foot. That's what my finger looked like. And man alive, it was, well, of course, first, there isn't any pain. You know, it's just like, but I had to lay down because I knew the pain was coming. And sure enough, it did, it came. But we were right in the middle of a move. You can't stop moving because your finger looks like a grape. So we got charcoal. We knew about charcoal. I wrapped it up. It took about, I think, 20 to 30 minutes. And you know, the pain went away. We went ahead and finished. And I didn't have any more pain. And it took a long time for that, for that finger to heal. But yeah, pretty neat story. Huh? That was a real, made me, made it, I was already a believer, but so. And we hear stories. That, okay. That's exactly right. <laughs> I'm not sure why we did, but we did, so. Okay, now, what we've got here, you've got to kind of get the picture here. So here, right here and here, that's the intestines. So uh, stuff goes through the intestine. This darker red color is the lining of the intestines, the intestinal wall, and then here's the blood vessels. All the blood vessels, blood vessels, or all the blood goes by the intestines, of course, the nutrients have to go through and go through and uh, go into the bloodstream somehow. So this is how charcoal works. Some people believe that charcoal, you know, you take it internally, goes through the digestive system, it, uh, it uh, goes into the bloodstream and circulates in the bloodstream and it does its thing and then is eliminated somehow. But it doesn't. Charcoal never leaves the intestinal tract. It's only in the intestines. How does it work? This is how it works. The big attraction. So there's the bad stuff. You see? Did you see that? I don't know whether you, you're too far back, but there was bad stuff that was going through the bloodstream. And this, see, there's the bad stuff. There's the charcoal. And the charcoal does something really neat, and that is it pulls that bad stuff right out of the bloodstream. So it's actually going the opposite direction of what you think of the intestines, and that is going from the intestines into the bloodstream. Charcoal attracts it, the, the bad stuff, what doesn't belong in the body, back out onto the surface, and then the charcoal is eliminated. Pretty neat, huh? Very efficient uh, method. Uh, it took a little while. 
practical information. So today's quiz, charcoal briquettes are a good source uh, for medicinal use. No, because it's, it's got all sorts of additives in it, so you don't want to, you don't want to do that. What about burnt food? <laughs> you know, it's funny because my dad used to say, if you eat the, the charcoal off of the toast, it'll grow hair on your chest. <laughs> Surprise, I'm not dead from cancerous. <laughs> no, that's not. It's partially burnt uh, mineral salts and, and just, no. It's not a complete carbon, so you don't want to do that. Uh, charcoal should be taken between meals if possible. Effectiveness is decreased about 50% when taken with meals. Mm, that's probably, uh, yeah, let's just figure 50%. I don't know how they figure that out. but And interference with drug effectiveness. Take charcoal at least two hours before or after ingesting your medicines. And uh, that's really uh, important. Uh, that way you're not going to just immediately... Uh, it won't take all of it out, but it will decrease the effectiveness of that of that medication. So, okay. All right, Rhonda's going to do a little uh, charcoal poultice. Oh yeah, there we go. Okay, right. You know, he talked about um, the different forms of charcoal, and. A good one that they have come up with is the patch. I don't know what it is about it, though, but several companies have started making it, and they all go out of business, not or go out of business, or they get stopped by the FDA or something. But they're really quite handy. They're still fairly expensive, it seems, but they're very handy, especially for like a first aid kit. If you're out somewhere and you have a bee sting or something, um, you can use a tablet, but um, it's nice to have a poultice ready-made. And I used to think, oh, those patches, they probably don't have enough charcoal on them to really do much good, but it, it's, it does something. Well, last year, Rich and I climbed this mountain, and it was, it was straight up. We had to use cables and pull ourselves up on some of it. Anyway, it was a little more than, than I had trained for. <laughs> And uh, it took all day, and so the next day I was so sore, I could hardly walk. And going down a step or something, I, I had to hold on to something because my legs were so sore. And I thought, well, this is a good time to try a charcoal poultice. So I just took one of the patches, and they usually come five in a package, and they're about, about like that. So I took one of those and I just slapped it on one leg. I said, I'm going to see if it makes any difference. Do you know it really made a difference? I tell you, I was a believer. And there's, they just stick onto you, so oftentimes you don't even have to use tape if it's not in a real... I didn't use any tape on my leg, I just stuck it on there. And it stick, stuck for the whole day. So they are really nice. But if you're going to be using them consistently, it it's, takes more time, but um, it probably is more e effective because you get more charcoal. But um, it's a little messier and all, so you can do it either way. But I'm going to show you how to make a charcoal poultice. And there are probably many ways to make one. In fact, when we were at Black Hills, 
they have a totally different way. They actually put in um, guar, guar gum, guar gum, and, or no, it's psyllium. It is psyllium, psyllium husks. And they make it very thick, and they roll it out with a rolling pin between two layers of um, uh, plastic wrap, and then they can just roll it up, and you can stick it in the freezer or the refrigerator, and then you can cut off a little piece or whatever. So that is a good way. But you know what? I've always grown up just making them fresh every time. So <laughs> that's how I do it. So again, like Rich says, you want to have um, something underneath your charcoal. And even taking the lid off of this is pretty precarious. This is so light and airy that it will just fly everywhere, even when you don't notice it. It is easily wiped off the counter, so you could use it on the counter. But otherwise, um, you want to use it on something. Um, and you want to put flaxseed, ground flaxseed. That helps it be more of a gel, and it keeps it moist so that when you take it off in the morning, it's not, um, it, it doesn't fall apart and crumble as much. It's all still moist. Okay, you could use like cornstarch or something else to thicken it, but um, I find that this keeps it moister. I don't know that the, the some of the other things keep it moist, but this is very good. What? Yeah. Okay. So I what I do is I use about the same amount of flaxseed as I do charcoal, and. You want to be careful putting this in here because it can fly out. In fact, um, then you mix it up together like this because charcoal has a hard time mixing with water. And so if you mix it with this, the flaxseed, before you put the water in, it, it is easier. One time I had a, a friend that um, was getting ready to go to church and her husband was out in the car honking the horn, of course. And so she was in there, and the last minute she said, oh, I've got a sore throat. She said, I don't have time to mix this charcoal with water. So she thought, I'll just take some in my hand and sniff it. <laughs> and she had on a lovely white mohair sweater. And that charcoal came out her nose, her mouth, everything, all over everything. And about that time, her husband came in to see what in the world was taking her so long. And she looked like she had just had smoke come out of everything. <laughs> and he says, what happened? <laughs> so anyway, don't try to take it dry. And by the way, it doesn't work when it's dry. Charcoal doesn't expire. They have to put an expiration date on it, but you can use it years and years later as long as it's dry. So um, we're going to add some water. And um, don't add too much to begin with. Mix it in and until it um, mixes in. Yeah, mix carefully so you don't slop it all over. And like they mentioned earlier, it's good to use disposable things. Although glass, it will come out of glass unless it's, you know, um, got lots of chips and stuff in it. But I just put a little bit in at a time and mix it up. It's much easier that way. 
And you want it to be the consistency of a, uh, a jam, a thick jam type thing. Okay, and it will uh, stiffen up as you go along. Some people like to use hot water, and that's good. Um, but I have found that it's cold by the time I get it on the poultice, so it doesn't make a whole lot of difference. But if you want to put it on, like put a warm poultice on, what I would do is just mix it, put it in on the poultice, and then you can put the poultice in the microwave, fold it over on itself, put the poultice in for... Um, 15 seconds or something, you know, just enough to warm it up a little bit. You don't want it real hot. Okay. Yeah, you could put a warm application on, on top of the poultice afterwards if you want. I'm going to put this just a little bit more water. I like to make it a little bit more liquid because it does um, dry out and thicken up more as you go along. Um, yes, I think you could. Um, I haven't used that, but I know Mrs. White, doesn't she talk about using olive oil, or is that what she recommends using it on? It seems like I've read that with charcoal. Yeah. Just to draw more circulation there. Okay, now you can just use a paper towel. You could use a piece of cotton to put it on. Um, but a piece of cotton that you're going to throw away or you just use for that again. But, and then you can wrap it with saran wrap, and that's a fine. So even if you just have a paper towel and some saran wrap or plastic of any kind, you could put on, uh, you know, a grocery bag or whatever. But one of the easiest things to do is these um, chucks, incontinence pads, blue pads, whatever you call them. <clears throat> the plastic is already here, and I just put them on this side, and then I put a paper towel over top of that. And so we're going to spread it out, and you want um, the poultice bigger than the area that, it, you know, like if it's an insect bite or something. You want it bigger than just the insect bite, You want it because it'll uh, be more effective having a bigger area. Very effective. Anything that does not belong in the body will be absorbed out with this. Anything, whether it's cancer, whether it's infection, whether it's um, pain chemicals, um, anything. I'm not saying that it cures cancer. Don't, don't quote me on that. But it is very helpful for something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Yes. Right. Extremely effective. Um, now, you notice I, I just put this within a little... I want to make sure that there's really clear balance here in regards to uh, anything you know, like snake bites or, uh, for example, uh, one of the stories that we heard, there's a gentleman that got uh, stung by uh, fire ant. 
He knew that he was definitely allergic to that. He had heard about, he heard of charcoal actually the week before and bought charcoal. And Kenny Wall was working in the yard that day. He knew that the last time he had that, he went to the hospital because it was important. He, they thought, oh, we had just heard in our charcoal lecture that we can put charcoal on this kind of a steam or a bite. So they did that, but they were very wise and they headed to the ER. The difference was that he said, by the time we got to the ER, I had no symptoms. And I've never had to have any intervention with the ER. But the point is, if you've got a life-threatening condition, you need to get medical mm-hmm. attention. But use charcoal as a first aid uh, if you can possibly do that, because it will help in that process. And does this make sense? Yes. And and it may most times I don't think you would have to have any uh, medical attention, but it is a good idea to go to the ER in case. So I have put the poultice not right to the edge because I don't want it to squish out. It's rather messy if it does. And I'm just going to put this over it and press it in. And this is, it, it's a little dry right here. So I'm going to um, just put a few drops of water on this. And then it'll just, it'll, I do that. Usually I just take the faucet and just put a few drops in it. it um, makes it all wet, because you do want it wet. And it will absorb right through the uh, paper towel and through your skin and anything else. Then you put it on the area. And we would just tape this. If, if this were just a paper towel, we would just put some saran wrap over it. But with this, you don't need plastic wrap or anything. You just attach it there. And um, if anybody needs this, you can have it. Um, so a couple things. Another shortcut, if you have an acute thing like a snake bite or a spider bite, what I would do is I would just take a teaspoon of the dry powder, put it between two layers of paper towel and put it under water and you have a poultice. Put that on it because when it's something very acute, you want to change it every little bit. Ten minutes later, do the same thing again and take it off and put a new one on. And then every half hour. Um, you know, so when it's something really acute like that, you need to do it. You need to have the charcoal at its peak as long as possible. So change it every 10 minutes for two or three times, then change it every half hour, and um, that way it'll it'll work much better. But for an acute sting or something, you can do that. The the reason we mix it with water and the and this uh, flaxseed is to um, make it. Uh, it's for the long haul. Another thing that I have used it for, I worked in a jail for a short time, and the doctor was an Adventist doctor, and she wanted me to use charcoal poultice on the teeth. Teeth problems are a huge problem with prisoners. That jail just about went broke pulling people's teeth. So they says, we don't pull any more teeth. You, If you have a toothache, you're going to have to, uh, we don't give anything stronger than ibuprofen. And they had given cloves, and that was all they had, ibuprofen and cloves. I says, we will not give you anything more. So she says, I want you to do a charcoal poultice. And I thought, a charcoal poultice on their tooth. But I learned, you just put some, I think I mixed it into a, like this, into a gel. And I put it between just paper towels, just a small little 
little thing of paper towels and I folded it over onto itself and then kind of folded in the edges and put it under water. And, or the paper towel was all wet, so it would just make sure the paper towel's wet because it'll stick to itself and kind of seal it off. And then I would make them up ahead of time and when the, when the uh, inmates want, had a toothache, they would ask for one of those and they just put it in their jaw. And many of them lived on that because they didn't have the money to do a to have their tooth pulled. They had to get the money first before they could have their tooth pulled. And so uh, one time I didn't make up enough for the weekend, and they said, don't ever leave us again without charcoal poultices. And so they says, and please teach us how to do this. So that jail probably still uses charcoal poultice because it was the most effective thing. Okay, do we, we have about a half a minute. Any questions? Um, if you have like an open wound or something, what do you do about like tattooing? Okay. Um, technically, they say it tattoos if you put the charcoal right on the skin, but if you use the paper towel between, it does not tattoo. I haven't seen it tattoo, but that's what I hear. But I always use the paper towel as well. So an empty tea bag? Oh, that's a good idea, because it's already a ready-made. How do you get an empty tea bag? Oh, really? Well, that's neat. Anyway, we could go on all day long with, with charcoal stories. They're so wonderful and interesting. But I'm telling you, if you have a question, if charcoal would work, put charcoal on, because it probably will. You know, it's just amazing stuff. Mrs. White says if she could call it something else and sell it, she says it would be, everybody would get it because it's so effective. A doctor once told me that if he was forced to have only one item in his doctor's bag, it would be charcoal. I agree. I agree 100%. I have, I was in that same jail and a lady, um, I was mixing up a charcoal poultice for her hand. She had, her dogs had gotten in a fight and she had tried to pull them apart. And her hand was all bruised and cut up and everything. And I thought, how am I going to tell her that I'm going to put this black stuff on her hand? And she looked over and she says, is that charcoal? And I said, yes. Have you ever heard of it? Trying to sound very ordinary. And she says, well, yes. She says, I'm very allergic to bees. And she lived 45 minutes up in the mountains. And she said, um, I, she got stung, and her, ad, her neighbors were Adventists, and they had told her about charcoal, and she had used it twice and had not had to go to the emergency room. So it's very effective. Um, for those who would like to stay a few minutes longer, I will show how you wrap for a uh, wet sheet pack, because it's a little bit tricky if you've never seen it before. But uh, we'll close now, and then if you'd like to stay, we will uh, show how to wrap for a wet sheet pack, a total body heating compress like we showed you the other day. Okay? Let's have prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for your wonderful ways, and we just thank you that you help us to remember these things as we have the need, that you can help our fellow men with all these wonderful remedies, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio2021 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcast.